Okay, hi everybody. This is A7X Fan Ben. We've got Mason, and this is uh, Pirate CSG Podcast episode number nine for real. After I messed up the last intro, <laughs> uh, this is episode nine. So today we're going to go over a small handful of custom stuff, and then the focus of the episode is going to be on um, discussing the game being relaunched in like a mobile format as a mobile game. But we're going to start with a few customs. So we're going back to the custom ships organized version thread. And we're just going to do one custom per post randomly like we've been doing. So I'll start Captain Bendari. Um, I'm going to pick something. I'm going to pick the first ship he's got in his post, INS Dawn Princess. Um, he has a custom faction from uh, that's called Sendora. I think it was inspired by something to do with his username, if I remember correctly. This one's a 4 master, 14 points, 3 cargo, SS move, good cannons and it has the SAT same action twice ability built in. So it's a very good ship actually. The cargo is the only thing that's lacking a little bit, but I think the SAT and the guns and speed and the fair point cost really make up for it. And uh, it might be, with the built-in SAT, I'd say if anything, it might be slightly too good, but it's, it's a good ship. I agree with you. It, I mean, it looks to me sort of like HMS Titan Light. Yeah. Um, not as good firepower, uh, not as good hold space, but cheaper and faster. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, though. It, if anything, could probably stand to be a point more expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's probably all I have to say about that ship. Um, cool. Should we do one from Selvacteries now? Yeah. Or? yeah, you could start one from there. All right, I'm going to have to figure one out. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody made a bunch of these that are like Legend of Zelda themed, and I... I'm not sure how much I like that mixing with fantasy yeah. pirate setting, but yeah, it was interesting, I guess. Yeah, um, I'll just do AES Melville because uh, that's just the one that's at the top of my page. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a four-masted icebreaker, not particularly well armed. Uh, is is that ability fitting at all? Um. Uh, oh wait, already. wait, no. Um, oh wait, I, I misread it. Icebergs do not eliminate the ship's mass. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's kind of strange. Um, I don't see a point cost listed. Yeah, he doesn't I'm, do point cost because he's not. Uh, he has a lot of different types of customs, so he doesn't usually try to make up cost. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I mean, well, we I can, look at we it. We can and try. That's something we can do for his is try to cost it. Um, I mean, if I look at this, I think this is probably ten points, maybe. Yeah, I think it'd be more personally. I mean, it's not particularly good at anything. Yeah. It's more durable and sort of faster than most of the icebreakers. So I think it would have to be as expensive as those, if not more. Because as we saw from your top 10 icebreakers post, most, or top icebreakers in general, I mean, there's not even 10. Um, they're not really that great. Um, mm-hmm. That last ability, whenever this ship rams an iceberg, roll a G6 on a 6, take a random treasure from any wild island and loaded onto the ship, which is very gimmicky and odd. Um, but and I has a low chance of succeeding. Yeah, between that and then icebergs do not eliminate this ship's mast and the solid speed, I would say like 14 or 15 points, but um, it's still not a ship I would really go out of my way to use, but I think it is, It at least it's at least interesting as iceberg, icebreakers go. Yeah, it's easily the most unique one, but at that price, I think I wouldn't ever touch it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll move on to Xerex now. 
I'm going to go down the list a bit. I'm going to try to cover something we haven't talked about. Um, I'll go with, let's see. I'll go, yeah, I'll go with a crew. Um, Philippe Tyzak. Uh, it looks like a French crew, eight points. Uh, the ability is Captain Ear, which I'm pretty sure would be Captain plus Cannoneer. Uh, two keywords in one, unless it's Musketeer, but I think it's Cannoneer. And then it says this ship's crew cannot be eliminated unless she sinks. So that's usually like a four or five point ability, so you get a little discount here. So Captain, Cannoneer, and Crew Protect for eight points, which is a pretty good deal. Um, so a, a very good proof for any gunship, really, that uh, could save a cargo space by combining abilities. Mm -hmm. Or even a little bit of a uh, little bit of points if you wanted all three of those abilities. Mm -hmm. I think it's just unfocused enough that I might not uh, actually use it myself mm -hmm. because if you're going to make a boarding ship, you're kind of going to go all out. Whereas this seems to be sort of a mix of, I mean, the crew protection is both valuable for gunships and boarders, mm -hmm. but more valuable for boarders in case you lose a boarding party. Yep, absolutely. And then yeah, the other so. thing, uh, the crew can't be known unless she sinks, but then with three abilities in one, you won't have as many crew to protect. Um, so you'd really want to stack that ship with as many crew as possible to get um, more benefit from that ability. That's true, too. And because it's um, because it's kind of an expensive crew and the kinds of play styles it encourages, you kind of, I think you'd only have space for one or two more good crew when you use this one yeah exactly so uh, i feel like it's probably a good crew in the right situation but most of the time you're going to be better off with just getting the other two abilities mm -hmm. yeah yeah, the two you really need. yeah yeah you can do one from el cazador now if you want all right i have a cracker in my mouth so this will be a second yeah <laughs> yeah el cazador uh, was the one that did the the Hyrule faction, the one from Legends of Zelda. I think the pieces are cool. I'm kind of with you. The the uh, mixing of the worlds is not something I'm a huge fan of, but um, in terms of pure customs, he's done a good job with point costs and things like that. And a lot of the customs he's made are quite interesting, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I haven't gone through them just because... Mm -hmm. Because I feel so strongly about my mixed cannons. I, f I think yeah. everybody feels that way about even the Pirates of the Caribbean set. Yeah. Not but, a great kit for that, but we already talked about that on here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go with Caesar. Uh, Navigator was was one of those from uh, Savage Shores, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, good. I'm remembering that right. Uh, Caesar is a nine-point expatriate navigator with a limit keyword. Um, as a free action, mercenary ships may unload treasure at your home island if they're within S. Uh, loses one point of value. Hmm. I think that's actually a pretty good fix for the lack of, uh, you know, the inability for mercenaries to run gold. Mm -hmm. But it's still profoundly expensive, and there aren't really any good mercenary gold runners in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good point. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting crew. Um, I think I want to say I used it once or twice in 2015, but I can't remember. Um, I know I play tested the submarine. Um, this one, it, it is interesting. It's a little bit complicated, but, um, 
it's probably worth talking about the linked submarine because it's linked to the Gladius Who's Day, um, which is a 15-point submarine, three segments, bad cannons, four cargo, L move, mercenary and submarine keywords, and then gets plus two her base move and plus one cargo spaces if she doesn't carry any crew. I remember, hmm. I think he made that edit because I think originally the ship was too good, if I remember correctly. It might have been really fast or something. So it kind of, it's a trade-off. So this one, this one is a good mercenary gold runner without crew, because then you have LS move with five spaces, but then it's linked to a crew that lets all the mercs in your fleet unload at your home island with an S. So it's like a trade-off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can either use it as a gold runner or, well, I mean, you either can't or you can't, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It needs to be edited. Uh, I think so that its ability isn't negated by having its own linked crew aboard. Mm-hmm. Eh. You're almost. I think you're almost better off using the Gladius Day as the Gold Runner and then putting Caesar on like a gunship yeah. or maybe or even a Ten Master in a bigger game or something like that. Yeah, that's right. That makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, now. Oh, sorry. What were you gonna say? Uh, whose post is next? Oh, yours, it looks like. Cause I'm, Ooh, I'm getting I'll to the end of the first page. One that excites you. <laughs> yes. One that doesn't have the uh, ironclad keyword in it somewhere, yep. probably. <laughs> See anything you like? Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm kind of going randomly. I'm going to look at USS Sawmill. American okay. ship. Um, it's a uh, switchblade, four can or four mass, of course. Really fast SSS move, three cargo spaces, seventeen points. Along with switchblade keyword, it has when the ship l- wins a boarding party, eliminating a mass from the enemy ship. I would say it's about right co- point wise because it's really fast, but the cargo space and guns are about average or uh, cargo space even a little below for a uh, for a switchblade. But then the the ability is really great and pairs really well with the switchblade keyword. Um, <laughs> I would probably want a plus one to boarding crew and then mm-hmm. just, uh, just start hacking at everybody. <laughs> basically. Yeah. 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 I tried to make it sort of a thematic type of thing, make it what you'd expect from a switchblade that yeah. we never quite got. Mm-hmm. Um, I always felt the switchblades were a bit expensive. Yep. Um, I think at one point it might have been cheaper mm-hmm. and it might've had like an LL move or something like that instead. But um, but yeah, as is, uh, I guess I can't really critique my own stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, with that, we're going to move to Xerix's return of Davy Jones set, which we've been working on on and off. So we're going to go, we're on the Spanish faction now, which is the third faction in the spreadsheet. And then, um, we're pretty much going to go through. Um, all the stuff in the Spanish faction. So I'll start it off with the Muerta de la Diablo. 23 points for a 5 master, 4 cargo L move. Uh, very good cannons. The blockade runner keyword. And plus 1 to her cannon rolls against the cursed. And I'm actually Why? sorry. Why are there <laughs> faction abilities in a custom set? Oh, okay. Um, and then I see the blockade runner keyword from... I found it in the first page of the spreadsheet, actually. I changed the page. Uh, the ship gets plus one to her ram and boarding rolls, so that's a very good ability. Um, this one, to me, um, I know he and his brothers like uh, ramming and boarding a lot, especially one of his brothers. I, they might have even made this custom. I, I'm not totally sure. 
to me, it's slightly expensive to use as a pure gunship. Um, I'm not into boarding and ramming quite as much. I could see the cost coming down, actually, maybe 20 or 21. And yeah, the plus one to cannon rolls against the curse is kind of just a one-point thing at the end there that uh, isn't a huge deal. Um, it's, it's a good gunship, but too expensive to use in anything less than, like, 60 points, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously powerful, but... I think, as you said, it's too expensive. I'd almost be comfortable knocking it down to 19 points. Yeah, yeah, I could do that too, especially if it was just plus one to boards and not rams as well. But Plus, I mean, that ability is not particularly useful on a ship that only has an L move. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it'd be hard to catch stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start on Mano de Dios, 14 points, 3 masts, average cargo and move. Um, pretty good armament. It looks like it's a scorpion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Spanish scorpion. Interesting. This is not actually that bad because it has a world hater ability, which makes the fact that it does have kind of eh, cargo and movement, uh, viable because it does have top tier firepower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it is pretty good for a scorpion. Maybe, maybe it would be the best scorpion if it was released. I would say just about it probably uh, would. Yeah. Especially with the crew available too. Spanish yeah, uh, Joaquin Vega, Cargo yeah. Master type things. Yeah, yeah, that's quite a good ship. Um, next one, La Corona, 10 points. Um, it's a flotilla, and it has a cargo space, actually, which is interesting. Uh, the guns are pretty good. It's 10 points. Yeah, um, flot- the flotilla and extended range are the keywords, of course, as with the other flotillas. And then the special ability... This flotilla may use equipment, but may not have crew assigned to her. So I would say that's pretty interesting. I would I would be willing to use that for ten points. I know it's pricey, but I think it has a lot of potential. Um, in this case, I would want to put on like exploding shot. Maybe um, one thing that would be interesting is exploding shot and the other equipments when they backfire. A bunch of them eliminate a mass, but then this one flotillas don't technically have mass. They just have the a flag. So I guess you could probably, in kind of a rules question, you could probably get a ro- away with um, stuff backfiring and then not having to eliminate a mass. Like, you'd still have to remove the equipment from the game. But in this case, um, I think you'd be able to, to avoid losing the flag from that, which is nice. Because I've had a lot of equipment backfire um, in my <laughs> campaign games. Um, hey, Wolf, we have a question. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, a custom question. It's a good one. But I, yeah. I think it's a good flow to you, though. I, I would use it, definitely. It's. I think it's a good idea, but it's obviously, as you said, a bit pricey. And then there's also the fact that uh, I I think the inability to put crew aboard and the ability to you know throw on an, a piece of equipment is not particularly good. Mm-hmm. While it does let you choose what the ability you throw on it is, yeah. I don't think the flexibility is worth the extra cost. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, El Acorazado Nuevo. This is 24 points, good cargo, bleh, move. Um, interesting, it's smaller than El Acorazado. Um, pre- it's basically got the same defensive ability as El Acorazado, but also you can't shoot it with L-range guns. I think that it's just another case of too many defensive abilities are making it too profoundly expensive and kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say it's not viable, but probably a little bit OP. It's just kind of too extreme to balance well, I think. Yeah, 
Yeah, I agree with that pretty much 100%. I think I even said that when I post on the forum, if I remember. Okay, mm -hmm. the next one, uh, La Muerta Rapida. 20 points, 4 masts, 5 cargo, SS move, very good cannons, and uh, new keyword, steamship, um, which I'm not a huge fan of seeing. But uh, it says, this ship gets plus Eldor printed base move, but Helmsman may not be assigned to the ship. So in this case, this thing basically has a max base move of SSL. And then the other ability says this ship's crew cannot be limited unless she sinks. Um, it's definitely kind of too good. I've seen this one a bunch. He's used this in most or all of his campaign games that he's posted battle reports for. I know it's done well in those games. And I would say, um, I, think it's, I think it's a little too good. I think maybe the car could come down to four or make the cannons a little worse. Um, with in the SSL. base move lower? Yeah, probably that too. Maybe just L. Yeah, something moving SSL without, you don't even have to put any crew aboard, like it's just built into the keyword, and then a very good second ability with amazing guns. I think I think it's too good. So I think, mm -hmm. yeah, some edits probably would be best. Yeah, I think if anything, the fact that you've seen it so many times kind of lends credence to it as being a little OP. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, he, t he tends to make OP customs, which he likes yeah. in the game, so that's understandable. Yeah, OP customs are fun, but of course, you know, I mean, I was going to say WizKids would never do something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, La Fuega, which I think, is that fire? I think so, yeah. As a translate, um, somebody can tell us. Uh, it's 14 points. It's a four-masted ship. Armament's not quite as good, nor is cargo space. Battleship, what's that mean again? Uh, gets two shots per mast, like longship, and uh, has extended range. <laughs> That's way too powerful. That yeah. is. Oh, and it gets a boarding roll bonus. This is probably like a twenty-five point ship. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, it's too crazy. I think that keyword is entirely too powerful. Yeah, yeah, I think it was unnecessary. Um, I tried to do something similar with the ship of the line keyword, but then I backtracked on that when I'm editing my custom set but yeah i think maybe 22 points but i think battleship should lose extended range at least i mean you compare it to like a like a three massive long ship like we were just ranking which has six total shots at no more than l range this one gets eight at um s, -S, at range. SS range yeah. yeah with um with better speed than most of the long ships at a lower cost so yeah and with a better crew selection because it's part of yeah. a better faction yeah it's just it just doesn't work honestly um, yeah. So yeah, more than 20 points or major edits, <laughs> to be honest. Um, yeah. Next one, uh, La Assassina. 12 points, 3 masts, 3 cargo, L move, average cannons. Uh, it's pretty much average in every way, but it has ironclad keyword. Um, you don't like that. Yeah, I don't like it. Um, basically, his ironclad keyword says you must roll a 5 or 6 to hit this ship. So very good defense ability. And then it also has the cargo wrecking ability. So, yeah, this one's way too good for the point cost as well. So, so I would say maybe 19 points instead of 12, something like that. I'm not totally sure about 19, but higher is definitely necessary. Yeah. I agree with you there. Yeah. 16, maybe? Yeah, at least, yeah. Yeah, 16, maybe 17. Mm -hmm. It's the kind of thing that probably have to be play-tested there to uh, yeah. evaluate how effective it is against other ships at that cost. Mm -hmm. um, El Dorado... 19 points, uh, pretty small, but huge cargo space. It's the TARDIS in ship form. Uh, 2S move, crap armament, and 
Mm. It's a hoist. It's got a secret hold. I'm not sure how I feel about this thing. It strikes me as kind of a more expensive uh, buscador. Mm-hmm. Yes. But not all that much better. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of similar to the Rocinante from uh, Return to Savage Shores and the Frontier, sort of. I'd say it's... Uh, I, it it kind of strikes me as like an average hoist because it has like the right like cargo cost move and secret hold keyword that hoists uh, that we're accustomed to seeing from hoists. I think uh, it's actually maybe a little bit more in line with the, what hoists should have costed. I think they're a little too cheap for what they can do. So I think it's I think it's great. I think the cost is right pretty much for what it's capable of. I just it's a little bit um, predictable, I guess. I think the Spanish mm-hmm. they got two hoists in the last two sets essentially when we once on release, but still we know about it now because of Wolf. So I uh, I don't really think Spain needed another hoist, and this one is really similar to the other hoist. So it's a little it's a little boring or predictable, I guess. But mm-hmm. I agree with you there. It's nothing inspired. Yeah. Uh, the next okay, so now we're into the crew. Almirante Sebastian de Alba, seven points, helmsman, and then instead of giving the ship an action, give another ship in your fleet two actions. So basically, like the Micron ability for five points instead of six, because it's seven points total with helmsman built in. Um, should be eight at least. Um, mm-hmm. I mean that the Micron ability was underpriced to begin with, but um, I guess it's a little bit interesting because you could put it on a gunship and then use helmsman, but then if you want to give away your action you have to give up that speed bonus for that turn so it, it's all right um just a little too cheap yep i mean as you said it's it's far too cheap considering the strength of that ability i honestly with a fixed point cost could see this being nine or ten points mm-hmm. yeah. maybe more who knows yeah. um I'll skip on to Inquisitor Rosa de la Cruz. Six points, linked to all Spanish ships. Fear, and it's a crew killer on uh, on cannon hits. Yeah, that, that's kind of my reaction, too. It's a couple of not particularly exciting abilities. They're not bad, and sure, it's good that it's linked to all Spanish ships, but I'm not really sure that there are any strategies that this would be the ideal to crew uh the ideal crew to use mm-hmm. yeah it'd be okay on like uh like a short range brawler like uh like a four or five mass with like a lot of s range guns because then you'd be in range with fear i guess i don't know it's okay he has he essentially has fear at four points because the crew killing ability is uh two fear to me is worth two points because it's it's very unreliable and getting a roll of six to shorten the other ship's base move to S really isn't that great. I, I root for fives when I roll for fear. Because canceling is much better than the, the speed mm-hmm. uh, decrease. So fear to me is two points in terms of how valuable it is to me. So I could see this guy at four or maybe five with the link. But uh, yeah, I wish it was a little cheaper. I would use mm-hmm. it at four or five. But at six, there's some other people I'd usually rather use in most cases. Uh, the next one... Captain Rogelio de Silva, five points linked to Alacorazada Nuevo, which we went over. Loyal Spain, <laughs> and then Captaineer, which I'm just going to go make sure in the keywords. Yeah, yeah, it's Captain plus Cannoneer, not Musketeer, just like I thought, so I was right about that at least. Um, so this one, five points is right, so basically just get the two generic uh, crew abilities in one cargo space, which is nice. So. Mm-hmm. I always liked that, but I do prefer the uh, 
the Captain Helmsman combos over this. Yeah. I do see the purpose for this one, but at the same time, I'd almost rather use, what was it, Louis Swan from, uh, from yeah, Rise of the Fiends plus a Helmsman. It yeah. would take up an extra cargo space, but it would save another point. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yep. But it's still viable at the uh, the point cost that it's at. Yeah. <clears throat> On Angelica Bianco, uh, it's a four point cargo master. I think cargo masters were way too cheap. Yeah. To start with, so yeah. four points plus it's linked to something. Uh uh. Yeah, and plus it's linked to the hoist, which already has seven cargo. So mm-hmm. this is another example of a. Uh, Master Bianco is also a cargo master. I feel like, I don't know if this is like his sister or something, like flavor text wise. Daughter, um, maybe? Yeah. I think um, I think she should have a more unique ability to separate her from the other Bianco. Um, and uh, even if uh, he keeps it at cargo master, um, at least five to keep it in line with what WizKids said. And yeah, it should be seven or more um, if it was priced right from the beginning. But, I well. I am a fan of like those uh, faction exclusive reduced cost items, mm-hmm. but this is one that I don't think should be reduced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this whole combo with the Dorado and Bianco is like almost the same as either of their two hoists, and then Savage Shore is Bianco. So I think mm-hmm. it could be differentiated from those would be would be best. And then and last uh, I knew, last I knew, not to interrupt, but Savage Shore is Bianco basically has the secret hold and. Gargo Master abilities, yeah. and isn't he linked to Buscador? I can't remember. I think he's just linked to the Haulers because they got another version okay. of that set too. Yeah. It's Either like, way, yeah. it's kind of the same thing as Buscador and Masco Bianco from exactly. that set. Yeah, exactly. I think it should be different. Um, yeah. Next one, last crew, Comandante Roberto Erna. Uh, three points linked to the Morta de Diablo, the five master that was the first ship we went over here. Um, Crew of any nationality may use their abilities on this ship, which is a three-point ability, so that's cool. Um, pretty basic. What I will say is the Spanish didn't get one of these, um, I'm pretty sure, in the in all the sets. So seeing them get one here is kind of a long time coming, I guess. So I'm not really opposed to it. Yeah. I mean, it is an ability they could use. You know how I indexed the... Yeah. the exclusive abilities by faction mm-hmm. and it is actually quite important to be able to accept abilities from any faction because some have really good abilities that you do want but you can't get without an international yep. crew like this mm-hmm. alright that's all we've got from the Spain section of our turn of Davy Jones yep exactly okay so next we're going to move on to the last part of this episode which is discussing um, restart, restarting or relaunching the game in like a mobile format. Um, you've thought about this more than I do, so I'll let you um, start it off, and I'll kind of respond and try to formulate my own thoughts um, All right. as we go along. All right, so one of the things that I think ended up getting the game canned was, I mean, in a, aside from the fact that you pointed out that not everybody responded well to the fantasy elements being introduced... Mm-hmm. Aside from that, aside from the downturn in the economy around the time that the game was uh, scrapped, I think one of the things that kept it from being profitable was obviously the fact that they've got to make all these cards. They've got to print them. Um, So I think a mobile game would 
these days reach more people than a print game would. Um, it could even be a free to play game. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, a sort of thing where you could buy packs with just a little bit of money as opposed to four bucks. You could make it one or two, mm-hmm. or you could even gradually earn gold by winning games yeah. and buy them with. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I mean, I think it would need relatively little, uh, a little modification from the game that was printed. Although I would want to rebalance the hell out of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, problems that I had with distribution in pack form. Uh, one of them is every single pack contained, you know, the standard variation of two ships, uh, one generic crew. And sometimes you'd get something like crew event or fort or something else on the side. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that you only got one generic crew per pack was, was pretty crippling to new players. It's not a problem for you or I, or for a lot of the people in miniature trading, but it probably did make it so that people entering say tournaments, Mm -hmm. uh, it was almost pre uh, predetermined who would win those games. I'm guessing based on really the size of somebody's collection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially and, with like sealed pack games too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. And there's also the fact that you know kids can't really afford all that many packs. Mm-hmm. I certainly wouldn't have been competitive in a uh, in a tournament. No, me either. An adult that has uh, you know that gets a couple grand every every month mm-hmm. and can you know spend a couple hundred bucks each time a new expansion comes out. Yeah. Adults would have stomped the kids. Yeah, um, exactly. So. Whereas, you know, a kid who's got way too much time and can actually afford to grind out uh, packs for themselves versus an adult who can buy the packs for themselves, relatively even ground there. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, and yeah, the, going back to the generic crew, um, I've thought about restarting it like in a physical form. And if I did that, I thought, I've thought about not even just two generic crew in a card, but four. And then just have mm-hmm. like a miniature Master Or even nine, list. maybe. Yeah. And uh, just have like a miniature master keyword list that has the, the keywords on it, like in the pack, so you don't have to look them up. Um, and then, yeah, like four to a card or more, if anything. Um, but yeah, yeah. The mobile game. I like that playing for gold that you can you can use the gold to buy new stuff with. I think that's a good idea too. And if, I, if you were struggling, you could try to find like uh, like other people who didn't have a big collection online and try to play against them. Yeah, exactly. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, trade just like on miniature trading. It'd be super yeah. easy. You don't have to send anything in the mail. No physical stuff. You just agree to a trade, and then you can not have to buy as many packs potentially if you get what you want or need at the time. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. there would. I think there would have to be some rebalancing in terms of costs. I think. I think it would be not so much a ban list, maybe just ban events. I've like I've already talked about. Uh, I'd probably remove events. Honestly, yeah. they're so yeah. unpopular. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No. Exactly. You could just like eliminate them from you know pack pulls, basically. But I think mm-hmm. like I think what they could do is there's a few things that could be edited ability wise like Jonah to like either scrap that or totally redo yeah. it or but other things like Banshee's Cry that are easy to understand just change the point cost to like ten or something you know like just do a quick mm-hmm. a quick fix would probably be all that's needed to make it pretty balanced and then you wouldn't have people complaining that their opponent pulled a, a San Cristobal and you got you know. La, like uh, two louts or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Banshee's Cry would pretty much be fair at six or seven points. Yeah, yeah, potentially, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean that one could be fixed, but a lot of a lot of the game ships would need a lot of rethinking. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, San Cristobal would not escape unscathed. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, we could talk forever about how oh, it'd be balanced this way if we yeah, were to yeah. disturb it. But um, I'll continue with one of with some of my gripes on how packs were done. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, f- the uh, physical format when you got. A unique crew, you know, it's basically the same as a generic crew in that it comes in a card and you punch the tile out. I think that was a waste of styrene and thus is a waste of money. I think yeah. they should have printed them on just plain trading card stock mm-hmm. where the back would be, say, a faction flag and maybe some trim showing what set it's from, you know, yeah. red for Crimson Coast, the like. Yeah. And then once you flip it over, it's the portrait, the cost, and the ability text. Yeah, I can see that. That would have made it a bit, uh, actually, a lot easier to store. It would have lowered the cost of packs, um, made the game probably more profitable as a whole. I want to say, yeah. but at the same time, splitting production between styrene cards and uh, and trading cards may have, I don't know, it might have saved money. It might have cost a little bit extra. I think the advantages are there that it makes sense uh, to do it the yeah. way I'm thinking of. Yeah, I agree with that totally. And you could still do a thing. Um, well, it wouldn't be it'd be hard to have face down crew, but you could still do a thing maybe where you have like one crew on the top of the card, and one on the bottom, or something like that, and you could like mm-hmm. cut them in half, or have um, or just have like a front and back to the card with two crew on it, stuff like that. Yeah, I don't like those two sided ones because they're such a pain to store. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there, there are a few really good ones out there mm-hmm. uh, where, like, both crew are really good, where I almost want to have two copies of it so yes, I can yeah, I, insert. Uh, yeah. What was it? There's one from Frozen North. It's got, like, a really good English crew on one yeah. side and one, like, pirate or something on the other. Who knows? Yeah, I've seen those, yeah. When yeah, they've got so. two really good crew abilities, it's annoying because you can't yeah. figure out where to store it. Yeah. Yeah, in my binder, I usually just put, like... Uh, I usually just put the one I figure I'll use more for that faction, yeah. and I'll try to remember the other one. But Yeah, I typically go that route myself. Yeah. <laughs> Although I should probably figure out which ones uh, fall into that category and get a second copy just so I can... Yeah. Um, but as far as pack contents go, how I'd have ideally changed it while it's in print or online... Um, in print, I would have made it, you know, the standard two ships... Um, maybe one generic crew in card form and then, um, or sorry, not, not one generic crew, uh, one named crew in card form. Mm -hmm. And then from there, the whole generic crew is kind of hard to answer. Maybe it's good to do a starter pack type thing. Maybe it's good to do like four or nine or whatever Mm -hmm. per card. But I think the whole generic crew and the gold thing is kind of hard to solve. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but if I were to do online in an app form, I think I would do three ships per pack mm-hmm. just because it yeah. that would make people more excited. It's like, oh, this one I got is not very good. I wonder if the other one's going to be better. Yeah. People go, oh, the one I got isn't very good. The other two could be better. Yeah. 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 That's a good idea, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it might almost be a good idea. Or wait. Or what about two ships and either a third ship or a named crew. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And from the start, people would have access to the full roster of uh, generic crew instead. 
Um, I'm not sure if there would be faction exclusive uh, crew like navigators or cargo masters. That'd be something I'd answer later. Yeah. Um, but from there, I did want to talk about how ship stats work and how I think there are some shortcomings with mm-hmm. having the game in uh, in the print format it was. Mm-hmm. One of the big limitations that I think is there in the game as it was printed was the six-sided die. Yeah. The tiny little one. Mm-hmm. If I were to change it into a sort of online app form, one of the biggest changes I would make is all die rolls wouldn't be one to six. It'd be a 20 sided die. Mm-hmm. Cause that would give you a much broader range of attributes you can apply to ships. Yeah. I mean, cause if, if you want to give a ship kind of average middling firepower, you have to do a three S gun Four L isn't quite as good. Yeah. Uh, three L is a little too good. Yep. So you could keep things approximately the same, but you could tweak it. Say you could make uh, the most accurate ships in the game, you know, you'd make it a uh, six or seven rank gun. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas you could, if you wanted something to be almost as good, you could uh, you could make it one or two ranks worse, and it mm-hmm. wouldn't it would suffer a little bit, but not a lot. Yep. Um, I think it would add more to the sort of statistics side of the game. Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be interesting. I've never played a game with um, with like. A lot of sides to die, uh, mostly just by pirates, of course. But I think it's definitely an interesting, an interesting point. And then you could have more variation on some of the mm-hmm. die roll abilities too. Like SAT yep. could maybe be more or less effective than EA, like extra action and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And if uh, you felt the odds were unfair, you could manipulate them, or you could even have differing, uh, differing odds between factions if you mm-hmm. wanted. Yeah, yeah, and then like, like the ability that says on a six, you can give any ship in your act an extra action you could have like maybe 18 to 20 instead mm-hmm. of just one and then it, you could you, you could make more abilities based on it because then you could do um you could have one that says if you get a 20 but only a 20 you could have two extra actions in your fleet or something like that mm-hmm. so, and then that would change boarding roles a lot too uh-huh yeah it would change boarding roles um i do want to get onto that later uh because i think that's an interesting me- uh, mechanic to completely rebuild um another one i wanted to touch on was move speed mm-hmm. it was limited to you know modular combinations of s plus l mm-hmm. in the print game whereas in an online game you could simply include a knots speed mm-hmm. yeah, which means you could, yeah you could have further variation and fine tweaks of how fast you want a ship to go mm-hmm. yeah i think that'd be interesting um I wouldn't be opposed to that too. And it'd be more um, like historically based too. It'd sound cooler than like a short length, which is kind of random. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And at the same time, cannons could be given specific ranges instead of it's S or it's L. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point too. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, def- another thing, a lot of people added to the game in house rules, even from the very first set was like wind rules. I don't think mm-hmm. we would need that for a mobile game, but I think maybe there could be kind of like different play styles. Like maybe there's like an unlimited play style where it's the original game and all the point costs are the same or whatever, like Banshee's tries to like wicked good. Then there's like an edited game. And then maybe there's like, maybe it's different like rooms in a mobile game. Like you can go into a room almost like on Vassal and those are the mm-hmm. players who want to play with like wind rules. And then that's like built into the app. I don't know. That may be too hard. Um, or maybe just keeping one version would be better, but 
trying to accommodate some of the players' wishes would be interesting too, from like a historical standpoint. I don't know if yeah, it would make it too complicated, but I think it'd be it'd be interesting to do a poll on it at least. I think as a whole, it would probably be better to just change it up and uh, and modify everything. Uh, the fans of the original game would figure out the changes that were made and be able yeah. to adapt to it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, WizKids did make enough mistakes with balance that, um, speaking of balance, uh, if there was something that was launched or if there was a tweak that was made that didn't work out, instead of having to go, oops, yeah. you could launch gotcha. a patch and yep. fix it. Then I think that's one of the most important things that WizKids never did, like release a uh, release some sort of statement saying uh, we're officially retconning Banshee's Cry to seven points. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to bring the documentation with you every time you went to a game. Somebody goes, oh, but Banshee's Cry is three points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'd but, ask um, for like proof or they'd say they haven't bought sets since RV came out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that'd be, that'd be the, easier in a mobile game too, because then, like, if they made a new version of the game that you have to get the update, then you can't use it at three points. It caught seven points, and you'd have like a calculator for your build total. You, you can't like cheat on that. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and there's, I mean, the the increased range of stats, just sort of one to twenty, or using knots, or maybe meters, or what have you, yards might be a better yeah. thing to do for gun range. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that would give, uh, well, not only the increased uh, increased range of accuracy values, but a more precise gun range thing would allow factions to be differentiated between further. Because as is, you look at the factions, you go, okay, pirates are clearly the best just because they have the best abilities and some of the best ships. Mm-hmm. Um, the French are bordering on pointless because they basically got nothing really awesome. And the cursed are a joke, and they should have never been implemented. Yeah, they're very <laughs> uh, gimmicky. Yeah. As much as I like the cursed, they were—they strike me as something that was originally supposed to be a one-off action, like the Vikings, like the Jade Rebellion. But then they kind of needed something to to fill a gap, so they just kind of stuck with it. Mm-hmm. If if I were to do anything, I would. I might actually drop a lot of the existing pirate ships, not like from the game, but uh, all the one-off factions I would just make into pirate factions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and completely scrap the curse. Let the pirates just be their own ethereal sort of, you know, bad guy, weird strategy type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I could see um, that. Um, I could see that. Maybe the- even appropriate some, some of the faction ships uh, to the English or French. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Corsairs and the Vikings especially could pretty easily fit into the pirate faction. Um, mm-hmm. Mercenaries could maybe... The, the, the mercenaries... Oh, mercenaries. Actually, yeah, that, mercenaries that, could be their own thing. Yeah, exactly. But they, I think they would have to rework the expatriate and mercenary keyword. Because that's Absolutely. a ton of headaches. Um, and then the Jade Rebellion is a wild card. They could probably stay as their own faction. And then if they did a mobile game, they could they could start with what's out there and then as they release new sets they could do new new dutch or yeah that's what i was gonna say new j stuff um mm-hmm. to make them more viable and then yeah like i just spoiled um the dutch are the faction that people wanted all the time back in the day so that would be pretty much 
the most obvious action to add if they did like a bunch of sets. Why the Dutch though? They were so dominant in the 17th century. It's based on history mm-hmm. mostly. So yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I think I've heard people say they even wanted Russian or whatever at some point. Yeah, that so. could make sense. Portuguese, like 14, 1500s, mm-hmm. that would be like an like an age of exploration set would probably have to have the Portuguese. Or Sweden. Yeah. Yeah, Sweden was good too. Yep. Yeah. I do think that you could probably start to add other stuff, but it would probably be best if if this hypothetical app game were to come into existence. The first three sets would come with it, I'd say, Spanish Brain Through Revolution, all tweaked to, to fit the game better. And then gradually, people would get the new sets released to them, and they'd go, oh, cool, because, you know, they can come back every couple months and go, oh, cool, Barbary Coast is out, and now South China Seas. And yeah. and then the whole the whole fantasy element thing, I would keep personally, but I think it does need to be reworked, although I'm also not totally sure how I feel about re-adding the Pokeships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the fantasy stuff could be um, kind of reworked a bit to make it a little bit better, but also maybe a little bit rarer or slightly mm-hmm. less emphasized. Um, and you actually made a point a second ago that I was just thinking uh, in my head with releasing sets for the mobile game in a sequence rather than all at once, because it would be a lot mm-hmm. to put all 13 sets into the game for like the developers. So maybe you start with Spanish Main or the first three, and then like once every two months come out with a new set, because I've from the polls and surveys I've done... Um, there's definitely a nostalgic aspect to this um, where people like us, there's a lot of people out there that mm-hmm. play the game as a kid. And then once they got older, they got like spending money and then they got back into it um, like a decade later. So I think um, playing on the nostalgia and releasing like a new set, like new quote unquote, even though it's 10 years old or more mm-hmm. um, and having that feeling back like, Ooh, SCS comes out in a month. Like I can't wait to try to get the grand path again and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So um, so I think that would definitely be an interesting play. And going back to the survey results, um, 70% of 84 responses said they'd be willing to play Pirates in a digital or online format. And then 58% said they'd be willing to play Pirates on a mobile device such as a smartphone. So more than 50%. And uh, it was actually more like 60 because a, a few people said like, they said yes in the other comment, but like they like emphasized it like they would really want to. So it's basically like 60% of the responders would be willing to play it on a, on a mobile device, which is a good sign. So. Mm-hmm. And because of the turn-based nature of the game, you wouldn't have to dedicate hours from your day to set up and play the game. You could do it when it's convenient to you. Get on, um, say if somebody takes the bus to work, they uh, get on the bus, pull out their phone, take their turn, um, and maybe you could even have multiple games running at once. Take their turn, hop over to the other game, take yeah. their turn, and then get off the bus for work. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And then on their lunch shift, they come back and play another turn. Yeah, yeah, that reminds me of Vassal, where you can save the file and then just mm-hmm. send it on. But here it'd be even easier because you wouldn't have to like re-download the file. You would just hop on the app and just keep keep going from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that'd be great. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about Vassal, actually, is that you can play campaign games and whatnot um, without having, like, the physical pressures of, like, ending the game and, like, setting it up and stuff like that. So it makes it a lot easier. And playing Mm -hmm. remotely is just so huge. I I just, 
I, that's like the best thing about Vassal. Arguably, it's just amazing. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that, that that would be one of the biggest things I would love in a mobile game is just being able to play anybody anywhere. Because then people can't use the excuse of, uh, I don't have anybody to play with. Like everybody says that, or a ton of people do. But mm-hmm. uh, between Vassal and a potential mobile game, um, that would be a race. So there would be a lot more playing and uh, not necessarily less collecting, but people could really get invested in the game um, as it is as a game rather than just a collectible game, which I think is good. Mm-hmm. I've I've also had some other thoughts regarding changes that could be made. Mm-hmm. Um, say point costs for games. You could choose, you know, of course, the point cost that you're going to play. Uh, you could, you know, build your fleet and then say, find me a game at this cost. Um, an interesting thing that would have to be considered is uh, ZLR plus five uh, units. Yeah. Would you remove them? I, I would just because of pulling from packs. If you don't get one, then you have to negotiate with the other person. Do we use one? Mm-hmm. Do we not? And then they say, oh, I thought we were using them. And it's like, oh, I don't have one. I, w- I would I would have to take them out, to be honest. I think I have to agree with you, although I would keep the limit and ransom keywords for a potential application elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that would be kind of interesting, too. I think ransom mm-hmm. could have appeared on more stuff, if anything. I think it's... It was underused, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, I had one game, uh, it was two games ago, now quite a while, probably more than a month, but um, I ended up capturing somebody's plus five, but they killed the crew when they realized I took it and was going to try to win the gold game with it. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, I mean, that led to an interesting dynamic. So there's definitely value in having the keywords there, yeah. but the ability on those crew is just probably too powerful. Yeah, definitely. And it's just unbalanced in terms of like pack goals, definitely. And people mm-hmm. would be, it'd be the type of thing where a bunch of sets would be up, but everybody would be buying Crimson Coast until they got a plus five. And then exactly. yeah, it'd be kind of like a thing. It would be, it reminds me of like Banshee's Cry or like Be Calmed, like back in like tournament play. Like if you don't use them, you're at a disadvantage, which is just kind of annoying, especially for a collectible game. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, as I said, don't have experience with, with uh, any kind of play back while the game was yeah. in print. But I think we can probably agree that the nature of how limited access to the good stuff was was probably not good for uh for the game's popularity as a whole yeah yeah there's a lot of great commons but i mean with a thousand ships to pull when there's five or ten that are that that good and over san cristobal and yeah Banshee's and, Cry, uh, yeah dark hawk 2 yeah exactly yeah, yeah. plus grand it's temple even yeah. yeah even hms grand temple with how uh, with just with how good all those are as printed, you're kind of better just going after those ships mm-hmm. and not bothering with some of the more interesting sets out there. Mm-hmm. Because as good as a ship like Tiger's Eye or Virtuous Wind are, you don't want them when you can have San Cristobal. Yeah, yeah, for the most part, yeah, definitely. So with, you know, obviously an online implementation nerfing all the game's most broken ships, it would it would probably change the meta in a way that we'd have to relearn what's too powerful. Yeah. But at the same time, that would put the experienced players on about the same playing field as new players. Yeah. Because people, you know, people like us would jump in and go, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to pull Rise of the Fiends until I get San Cristobal. And then we get San Cristobal and we go, 
wait a minute, this isn't the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'd be funny. And, and, you know, then, then we've got a ship that really probably is balanced. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but we've got to compete with, you know, with having probably uh, not assembled as good a fleet as somebody else. Mm-hmm then, you know, they've chosen some stuff that's been balanced properly, and now they've got a uh, a really interesting strategy. Maybe they're using a fixed version of Tiger or Le Duc de Bourgogne yeah. or all those other ships. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that what? comes without the whole thing of being open to adding custom units. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I'd have, like, a custom... That would be really cool, like, create a ship and crew, and then... You could have your opponent look it over before the game starts to see if they want to play against it or not. Yeah, uh, that'd be cool too. Yeah, one thing or I even, find. No, you go ahead first. Um, even better, instead of just following the release schedule of okay, Barbary Coast just came out, so South China Seas is next. Mm-hmm. Um, throw people off, and maybe every three or four sets, release a, sh- a new set of custom ships. Yeah, that'd be that'd be really cool. Yeah, because, I like that. Or even like some... like a timeline type thing, like maybe throw in an extra historical set before you get to D- Davy Jones' Curse or something like that to follow like a little slightly more of a timeline than they had. Yeah, maybe even move things between sets. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah. yeah one I other think... thing I find interesting, um, one of the only negatives I can think of is, especially playing on a smartphone, the screen is kind of small. Um, mm-hmm. and you think about an ocean, especially for a larger game or a multiplayer game, I'm not sure how that would work with zooming and, uh, um, playing like on a smaller screen, even than a computer. Um, so you could, I'm not sure what you think of that or how big of a hindrance it would be, especially for like some of the older, some of the older players or some of the, some of the people who got into it at the beginning when they were already like adults and stuff. That is a good point. I do think there's a way to get around that because, um, Today's phones are just getting uh, much more detailed screens than they were five years ago or a decade. Yep. Um, yeah, some people might need reading glasses to play it, but I do think that the whole, you know, touch and drag, uh, tap and, uh, you know, even pinch controls to zoom in and out, I think those would still lend themselves pretty well to it. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I'm kind of basing some of this off of my limited experience playing the online game before mm-hmm. it was shut down. Nice. I think I played maybe some beta uh, sessions or demo or whatever it was, but Wish I... uh, it, it was it was sort of fun, except the problem was they made packs cost just as much as they would in real life. They wanted yeah. four bucks a pack, huh. and me at age 12 i'm gonna say i was yeah. if i could spend four bucks on a digital ship or a real ship mm-hmm. what do you think i'm gonna go for yeah the real is cooler yeah yeah so it just wasn't cost effective and i think mm-hmm. that's probably part of why the o- online game never thrived yeah um it also had some ui issues some uh it was kind of hard to figure out how to build a fleet mm-hmm. they didn't give you anything more than like this starter pack that everybody got that was full of not particularly good ships. Mm-hmm. I think it was like some under average four master sea monster and maybe some other good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I actually know. I'd play that when it was around, but you brought up another point though. Um, I think part of the reason, um, 
almost a third of the respondents in the survey said they wouldn't play on a smartphone. Um, from some of the other answers, I gathered that a lot of people do prefer um, the uh, the physical game, and a lot of people love like the romance of using the actual physical ships, and a lot of people love building the ships. Um, I think it kind of goes both ways, though. I think some of those players would adapt, and if it was released as a mobile-only game, I think they would get around to it eventually, and some of them would probably change their minds and get get on the app or whatever. And uh, and But I think there's positives that come with it, too, of not having it physical, because in my experience of teaching new players, building the ships and breakages are yeah. maybe the biggest issue, other than a few some of the rules stuff. So I think not having to build um, the ships, it does take it, the CSG, the constructible aspect, out of it. But I think that's okay because it it is one of the it's actually one of the biggest complaints in the survey too is like the fragility of the ships which I don't have a problem now because I've built so many but it does make sense for new players so if it was mobile they wouldn't have to build anything so you would eliminate that complaint even if you lost some of the some of the like the the established players who would prefer the physical game mm-hmm. and there's also the difficulty with storing large collections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. I've had that a little bit. I mean, I have because, enough room, but it's 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 getting there. Yeah, because they're fragile and there's so much of it that you need it organized. Storage does become a really strange problem for uh, for a lot of people. Really, some people will use a tackle box to solve their problems. Um, I mean, my personal recommendation: anybody who uh, is listening and has storage problems. Um, in a, within a couple months, check Target's plastic sort of organizer divider stuff because I was able to get a bunch of these ornament storage boxes for – they were 8 bucks each and you can basically fit your entire faction collection or even two of them for smaller collections into one of these boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They're really good. good. I have posted pictures of them a couple times. But, yeah. yeah. But um, I mean – Beyond that, the whole collecting thing in app format, I'm not totally sure how trading would work. Mm-hmm. Maybe it would be better if people couldn't get duplicates and instead they could, by brute force of just buying uh, packs from the same set, get themselves a complete pack set. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be cool. Like, it would calculate, it would know what you've already got from your you know, profile, your collection, and then you wouldn't get duplicates. I like that idea. Um, I think trading would still happen based on um, factional preferences. One, like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's some yeah. people who only play American, so they get a pack of French and Spanish. Even if those are good ships, they might trade them away for, like, average American ships um, or crew or whatever. You're right. And then um, that and also, like, getting the last piece you need for a fleet. You Like, you might trade, like, if you're building, like, a competitive 40-point fleet, you might trade away something that doesn't fit, that's too expensive to get, like, a cheap gold runner it gets you that build that you need and then you can play your fleet as you want to. So something like that. So I think trading, I think, yeah, I think the no duplicates thing, I think that's a great idea to optimize it. And then I think trades would just happen maybe not super mm-hmm. often, but I think they, it'd still be a thing you could, you could do if you wanted. Mm-hmm. People could uh, post up, put something into an automated system that goes, I want to trade this and I want to get this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like haves and wants, but like specifically, yeah. Yep. Yeah, sort of like miniature trading system, you know, like allow people to say, I have this, but I'm willing to trade it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, mark the things that they want. Yep. And as a result, 
I suppose things of different rarity could be an interesting thing. Um, Maybe maybe disallow trading across rarities. I don't Mm -hmm. think that's fair on, say, players who probably end up with a lot of common ships and wanted one particularly super rare. But of course, uh, that would all... It had complexity to the system. Yeah, yeah, and then I think to solve like like instead of doing mega packs, you could just make the special editions or limited editions mm-hmm. like more rare. Like maybe an LE from Rise of the Fiends would be like one in every fifty packs or something, versus a super rare mm-hmm. would be like one in twenty five or you know just make odds or whatever. I don't think it would be too yeah, hard. yeah, or even some of the uh, say. Well, yeah, I I did want to talk about how promos, LEs, and SEs would be distributed. Yeah. Um, I guess let's start with Rise of the Fiends since you mentioned it. That was always a problem because for people who don't know, I'm sure most people do, the uh, the sort of promotional stuff or LEs for Rise of the Fiends were never distributed from tournaments. They were never distributed in packs or contests. The only way to get them was to get a factory set. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and that means that all those... Uh, variations on the ships and crew from that set some of them are pretty powerful like griffin yep are close to unavailable these days yeah yeah i think it's like 20 bucks on ebay and it's, you can't really find it for less unless you get a lucky trade yeah i mean if i ever see a, a real full factory set on rise of the fiends i might have to splurge to get yeah. all that stuff yeah but um but yeah the distribution of that i think as you said sort of would you say like one in 50 chance or something of getting it as part of the pack or in addition to, I think getting it as like part of a pack, like maybe kind of like thinking of it as like a super rare pack odd would be one in 25 expanded super rare roster. What Sorry. an expanded super rare roster. No, I think it'd be the same. I just think uh, like they would just come up with like pre prefixed odds of getting that. Like you'd have a chance at it. Um, and then this is something I've thought about for my custom set. Um, if it was somehow released, I don't know if I would want like SEs and LEs to only be like value boxes or factory sets or whatever. I, I like mm-hmm. the thought of having something available in like one form, but then you have like a very low chance of getting it from a pack, but it's still like a possibility. So, you know, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't need to like find it in a specific place or a specific release, like a box or whatever, or like the factory set for the LEs of ROTF, um, have it be like pack odds, but you could, you could still make them quite low. So, but then there'd still be that excitement that like, if you pulled it, it's like, Oh, it's, it's crazy. Like you go crazy when you pull it. Cause it's so, mm-hmm. rare, you know, I think it'd be yeah. like have everything available in packs, but then just adjust the rarities based on what it was like in real life to a degree, but still make things a little bit more, reasonable accessible as well yeah yeah like we wouldn't want the raptor mod to be as rare you know yeah um something else i've thought of is you know the problem with the mail-in things how you basically couldn't get them out after after a certain point one idea i had was kind of make it similar in that you need to buy x number of packs Mm -hmm. but for each set there'd be so like a instead of you know mailing in or even emailing in once you've bought a certain number of packs you just get that ship yeah for, like if you buy um if you buy maybe 12 or 15 or whatever uh, or maybe 10 who knows packs of fire and steel mm-hmm. you can get maybe you get chum maker or you get raptor ma or something like that yeah and then after another 
you can get the rest. Yeah. Yeah. I like that idea too. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or even, um, another thing is somebody could aim for collecting a full set Mm -hmm. just so they could, um, like maybe collecting a full complete set of everything else would unlock something even rarer. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. You could have like exclusive new stuff. That's like custom stuff. Um, it's not part of a set, like, uh, like an Ellie, um, like an, just like an Ellie, not set, but like a, like a little mini set of stuff that once mm-hmm. you complete your set of the first three, like once you get everything from SM, CC, and RV, then you get like some Ellie or, or like a handful of stuff that's new that was never released, um, in the first, in the actual sets in the mm-hmm. original form. Yeah. Or even stuff that was released, but, you know, was made rare. Um, yeah. I guess something like uh, Bloody Throne or Scry the Explorer yep. for Spanish main, you know, you get those by maybe uh, by buying 10 packs. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. And there's a way to apply it to really every set because, you know, there's promo, super rare mail-in stuff from almost every set. Yeah. Uh, Slay would be an interesting one. Uh, I yeah. Slay, I think, would be a cool one where you could maybe program it as an AI and make it like a uh, seasonal challenge where people get yeah. something special if they beat it. Yeah, that's a good point. I was going to say to just nix it, but that's actually a good idea. Yeah. yeah, people, you know, maybe they can get themselves a special ship or crew from that as, you know, that not only would have an interesting ability, but would allow them to say, I was able to beat the OP broken ship. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Like, you beat it, and then if you beat it, you win. Um, and then you can use it against other people, but maybe only in December or something like that. Yeah. Or maybe you get a version that's not as broken. Yeah, yeah, that could Yeah, because it would be pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. Or just sort of a normal version given out for free to everybody there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although the, um, the convention ships, uh, like Baochuan and some others, those would still be possible mm-hmm. because... Uh, something I thought of was you could send a booth to promote this game at a place like PAX and then you could hand out little code cards for people to uh, punch in a code and get a uh, convention exclusive ship yeah yeah that'd be definitely pretty cool yeah yeah mm-hmm. either that or just you know get early access to a ship that will come out mm-hmm. yep nice yeah or complete your factional set of that faction like you could have different ways of getting it like a convention code or you could get like once you get all the jade ships in the game that automatically unlocks the vouch run for example yeah also um i don't know if you had this idea already but uh if you didn't one idea i had was regarding the se box chips Mm -hmm. get those by completing a faction's roster from one set yeah yeah that makes sense too i like that i mean of course you could also simply i mean because many of those ships weren't all that great you could give those ships some special attention to make them more interesting Mm -hmm. better for the most part because a lot of them weren't very good especially in davy jones curse yeah yeah it's a good idea i think it's an interesting idea um i know uh the startup cost for apps usually um is higher than what people expect so it'll be mm-hmm. i think a lot of the costs would be up front which gets to the problem of um getting enough funds uh raised 
I don't know how that would work or how uh, plausible it would be. Um, you'd have to really advertise it and stuff like that. But I think once it got started, I think it would um, the upkeep wouldn't be as inhibiting, but getting it off the ground would maybe be the bigger problem, if anything. But, yeah, because yeah. obviously upfront cost would be the most extreme because you'd have to come up with all the infrastructure for it. Mm-hmm. You'd have to get your servers, um, save people's, yeah. And you'd also have to do all the modeling, animation, sound work, texturing. Yeah. It's certainly not something I'm capable of doing myself, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> if a studio were to have the money to start this and uh, the licensing as well, yeah, that's and you know, enough. people who know the game and know how to rebalance it. Yep. Yeah, that's the type of thing you could probably outsource to uh, miniature trading. Honestly, I think you know, four or five people going through the sets one by one and redoing stuff, you could come up with a pretty solid, um, pretty solid balance over time. I think um, you could definitely source the community for like volunteers um, to do stuff for free because I think that would definitely work. Um, but yeah, it's definitely interesting interesting topic going forward um if uh when i post this in the thread anybody who's listening you can feel free to respond with your thoughts on a mobile game like if you'd be willing to try it what what you would want to see in it what you'd want to see avoided um any pitfalls you see stuff like that and uh your general opinions on it but other than that um i don't really have much to add for now this might be something i think we could come back to as well in other podcasts because it's, it's mm-hmm. an evolving thing that we might have more ideas on i think you're right about that yeah anything else for now or no um nothing that i can really think of i've mm-hmm. it was just sort of a fragmented idea and you know yeah. obviously it's coming up with more during the podcast but yeah we'll probably have more to say about it in the future absolutely All right, thanks for listening. This was uh, Pirates TSG podcast episode number nine. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again in a couple weeks.